Jordan, mm. can you tell us what's happening with SpaceX? They are docking the Crew Dragon capsule with the ISS for the very first time. It is a unmanned test, a demo of the Dragon cap, uh, the the Dragon Crew capsule that they're going to use to send people up into space. Um, so they've simulated this multiple times, but they've never actually done it. And they are about to. They are twenty meters away as we speak from docking and inside it they've got a little test dummy with a load of sensors on just to make sure and a little cushion type teddy bear floaty globe yeah the floaty globe guy they simulate this on uh they they digitally like virtually simulate this they don't do anything outside of uh like they don't simulate this in the real world do they they've got like full simulators and hardware simulators and all sorts of stuff Mm. so they've got loads of stuff but this is the first time so if this goes really really well then uh, which it has been so far. So remember the Falcon 9, uh, it, it lifts off and it lands itself and it's reusable. Mm-hmm. And this capsule is reusable, I believe. Very nice. Which means which means basically the US will have their own... Like You won't have to use a Soyuz rocket. There's no dependency on the Russians anymore. So they're gonna, if this all goes really well, then they're going to send two people up in the into the space station, uh, possibly as soon as... Uh, very, very soon. Um, if this goes really well, which is really f-ing cool, and you can beep that out. So that's happening right now. Right now, right now it is less than nineteen meters away, I believe. They wait until sunset, okay, until they resume the final docking, and sunset is in seven minutes for them because they've got like in, they're in orbit, so you know, like they have. Mm. They have orbital days and nights. So if we crack on with the show, and then when it happens, you can uh, you can just show interject and just say, "Guys, I've got something real to talk about right now," and give us your first-hand impression of it as it happens. I'll do a I'll do an Elon Musk where he's like on the camera going, "Yes, the docking went very well," and and Tesla's gonna make five hundred thousand cars this year, but not actually. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm driving home from the Tesla factory, but oh no, I'm going to get sued. <laughs> So we have some we have some follow up to do from the last episode where um, pretty much straight after we recorded because um, we recorded that episode earlier. I remember saying the fact that um, anything we say was real and truth at the time. Um, but uh, a couple of days after or even before releasing that episode, uh, Facebook had their certificate um, given back to them and un- un- unrestricted. Uh, Google also had theirs given back to them after that was taken away. They tried to get ahead um, and kind of say, look, yeah, we messed up here. But uh, Apple decided to take that away anyway. Um, so that that uh, that's all been resolved now, and it's like it never happened. Um, do you guys have any thoughts on the fact that they just got this back after, you know, it was like a couple of days, and it has kind of a slap on the wrist compared to something that they'd been doing, which is really, really... Um, quite bad. Well, it's my understanding that Facebook has actually discontinued that uh, application anyway. Mm. Um, and I, I don't think, I don't think Apple are, are ever going to turn around to them and say, Hey, no, you can't have any enterprise certificates or remove them from the app store because that would just be a bad move. Yeah. It would just kill their ecosystem. People, won't, people, people are already complaining that companies have too much power over like Google have too much power over like marketing and search space. If Apple did this, it just caused an all out war between three three potentially massive businesses. I mean, that's the worst case. A lot of news came out that there were a, there was a large market in 
like China and just other websites where they were they were saying you can install these apps and that do you know kind of jailbreak like features um, if you install the certificate. And I don't know what they're doing about that, but it, there's a there's a massive kind of um, market around jailbreak style tweaks for your iPhone by installing these enterprise certificates, and they're not actually that hard to get apparently for some you know there's some a lot of strange companies that seem to have them that are just making jailbreak tweaks on the side um so i see i feel like you know they have to they're gonna have to do something around this this area to make this kind of i mean if i was apple i'd be like this this is not acceptable on our platform i guess and i'm sure they won't like what's going on there so i wonder if they will be doing anything to resolve those issues and kind of tell people not to do that stuff yeah I know there's the whole power thing, but at the same time, like they they have these reasons, you know. I mean, yeah, you can say that, yeah, they they're blocking people from doing certain things on their own devices, but they're also they have you know they have opinions for a reason, and they believe they're doing something that they think is right. And sometimes, yeah, maybe it's not. And sometimes, maybe it's too much. But I guess that's why some people pick Apple, and some people don't like Apple. Um, if we move on. They actually, uh, they being Apple, um, released a fix for the FaceTime bug um, that allowed you to listen into other people's uh, other people's calls and stuff. That actually felt like it took quite a while. They said it was going to be out in like the next week, and I think it was like the right, like the back end of the the next week that they actually had something out. Um, so that seemed quite like quite a long time. I have re-enabled FaceTime in my devices. I haven't used it since. Uh, I don't really use FaceTime that much. But uh, they also said that they have spoken to people, uh, spoken to the family that um, reported the bug and set up them with some kind of uh, college, you know, funding for that for that kid. Um, so they they actually had an executive go to the house and speak to them, which was interesting. And they also stated that um, they're going to be putting more of a focus on getting the issues escalated internally or uh, that are important that need to be reported to them. So um, we'll see if something like this happens again, how they handle it, I guess. Do you guys have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's nice that they're going to help this kid go through college. I mean, it's a good PR for them, isn't it? I think the... Wasn't the problem that we discussed that, like, no one really believed the person? Like, it, it didn't get escalated that quickly? So, yeah, so the they got told to file a radar um, after the mm. security team was like, yeah, it's a bug, file a radar. Uh, so they had to create a developer account and um, file a radar that way, at which point no one responded to them and they uh, went public with it, which is why it then got escalated as, as to mm. Apple as a whole. I wonder... If they things like you know Hacker One, you know the site, if it had been reported through there, like mm. if it would have got any gone further any quicker, you know these are bug bounty programs, etc. Yeah, it's obviously there's internal issues. Uh, I think it's probably the layers of people in between, um, like big organizations. If someone reports something, things very rarely get done mm-hmm. uh, quickly um, in slow moving organizations. And you would have thought Apple are not as um, it like deep in that kind of mass, massive organization trench is maybe someone bigger, um, who hasn't historically been a technology giant. But yeah, I, 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 there's obviously some internal issues they need to deal with. Yeah, 
I guess I guess we this is why I said we kind of need to wait until something like this does happen again because we can't really see we, there's there's no um there's no evidence of them making changes that they'll make public until something like this happens again at which point we'll have to then see if they did make changes internally and they are able to handle things better than they did with this. Almost certainly will happen again though because of the fact that the other the other problem here is the fact that the the quality is going down and um the chances of this happening i mean the chances of this happening again are 100% anyway um it's just how often it happens and given the fact that they are letting bugs like this slip through without them finding it um probably just increases the chances of that happening sooner rather than later guys i think it's happening i mean it hasn't docked yet but it's happening these hydrazine thrusters i mean i think the hydrazine um are firing it's beautiful it's beautiful i i can see this and it looks like it's just kind of trying to keep it in place like how yeah it's moving it mm. it's moving it it looks like a light show doesn't it it's like oh disco mode yeah it's funny it's like oh nudge here nudge there nudge up here nudge on there just to keep it in place interesting so those those thrusters are like i believe the term is hypergolic uh where basically they are it's not like locks and like a propellant it's basically it spontaneously ignites when in contact so there'll be two two chemicals that basically when they come into contact just spontaneously ignite so that's why they're so quick and obviously in space there's no resistance so um there's no air resistance so it has to basically fire and then counteract the the force that it on the other side on the other side of the spacecraft because obviously if it fired a thruster and then it moved, it wouldn't continue moving until, so you have to actually, you have to counteract the forces, um, because obviously if you, you execute a burn, you will just continue going at that speed for, well, indefinitely. Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's why you have, they have to, that's why it looks like a light show, because mm. it basically, you'll see an opposite thruster, basically, <laughs> fire pretty much straight after the other one. So when this, this, um, this capsule or whatever it is, this attaches. What are yeah. they actually going to do with that? I know this is just a test, but are they? Is it then going to be sent back, or is it going to be used as an extra? It's going to be sent. It's going to be sent back. Okay. Okay. Um, I don't know if the space station crew are going to put anything in it. I think they're going to take some stuff out of it, um, right. like the teddy bear, maybe. Um, have they taken supplies up or anything? I uh, know because basically supplies are done by the cap, uh, the the cargo capsule dragon, yeah. uh, which they've they've flown loads of loads of um like resupply missions to the space station spacex have but the way that works is it uses a, a an arm and what happens is the capsule is ejected off the falcon 9 second stage and then uh it's caught by the international space station using a robot arm so someone in the international space mm. station actually has to manually capture it but in this instance uh, this is all automatic and obviously it's it's for crew um they're currently inside 10 meters so uh this should be really interesting so right now they're showing um, yeah. how the camera's lining up with all the, like, they have like a grid system and they've got like a yeah. crosshair in the middle and how it's all lining up and it's showing you what they're yeah. currently working towards and just saying to get there. It's pretty cool. There's basically a LiDAR. That's a, a LiDAR that's basically using all its sensors to line it all up because obviously they've not got any, like, GPS, as it were. Mm. So this is all done by sensors to line up center lines. So how close are they right now? Can you tell? About... Nine meters, probably less. All right. Six six meters. 
You'll be able to see on that screen, basically. It actually tells you the distance, but it's not full screen anymore, so I don't understand. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Here we go. This is interesting. So how quick is that thing moving? Uh, Well, relative to each other or relative to the Earth? Uh, so both of them are technically moving 17,500 mm. miles an hour, uh, but yeah. relative to each other, they're moving very, very slowly. So it's probably moving like a meter every few seconds. Okay, that's faster than I thought. Mm-hmm. And it's... here we go. Oh my oh. god. It's lined up. Oh, is it just bounced off? Oh my off? god. They got it. They got it. Is it in? They got it. It's in. It looks like it's just bouncing off, though. It is because basically the springs. Yeah. So basically, it hits some springs first. Mm-hmm. And then, um, if you listen to it, it's called a soft capture. And then they're going to basically dock it properly. And then, like, yeah, tie, like bring it in, yeah. like tying it in. Interesting. Mm hmm. Mm, very cool. So let's uh, let's move on to our next topic. I uh, have been seeing uh, for a while on Instagram that Brad Dowdy, who we had on the show a couple of episodes ago, has been working with a company called Spoke Design to create a pen. And I like this pen does look really really nice. Um, and they released the Kickstarter quite. I mean, yeah, quite a long time ago, like over twenty days ago. Uh, but at the time when we added this to the document, it was new. Um, and I wanted to chat about this pen with you guys because th- this is more of a... We'll chat about the pen for a bit and then I think we'll talk about how, you know, um, if we'll back it, maybe if this pen looks interesting to us, if we won't back it and why. Um, so this... I, I don't really, you know, I don't really uh, know what to say about this pen. I wasn't involved in any of the design and... and um, construction of it but it is really nice it's it's uh aluminium and it comes in seven different colors uh, a red an orange a purple a green a blue a black and a kind of silver or gray um and it's made to fit the uniball signo dx which i think jules is one of your you'd like that refill yeah i do i do like the the signo ink i don't tend to use it uh very often <laughs> i say that i actually I was, I was actually using one the other day um, but I don't tend to use them, uh, that often, but they are one of the nicer of the, of the gel ink, um, gel inks available. Um, and the, the, that particular one is the one that, uh, is probably the favorite of, uh, of Brad Dowdy anyway, in terms of those gel ink pens. So an obvious choice for the refill. Yeah. And such, I, I've never had a signal, but I know I, the only reason I know of it is because you've mentioned it. Have you, have you not? No, I haven't. You know, no. Really? Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I, I do use them, but, um, not super often because obviously the, the primary thing I use is the, um, is the jet stream ink. Uh, but they are nice. They're gel ink. So they're kind of wet. Um, I'm mm. sure you've, you've probably tried mine in the past. Um, for example, like you get like a really good, if you have like a red or something like that, you can get like a really good, uh, color out of it, really good flow. Right. Um, very very good choice and they it comes in lots of different um sizes including the very thin ones which of course as we know is uh is what brad tends to go for mm-hmm. yeah it's it's a really nice looking pen though this thing it's a kind of um they say it's spoke brings an instantly recognizable design a streamlined geometric deco style in a world of minimal cylindrical machined pens we're yeah. not knocking minimal design but everything can't be minimal at uh, minimal yeah, 
and that's and that's exactly how I would um, how I would think about it too. Like these Kickstarter pens in general are, mm. are usually machine pens, so they're usually um, pretty minimal plain for yeah. the reasons that it's easy to construct. Mm-hmm. Uh, they tend to be these kind of aluminium um, barrels, which just look, you know, as I say, you know, more or less, more or less plain, smooth. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about the thing about the spoke pen is that it does have its own look and, and that's what makes it special is the fact that it does actually have this, this design of its own uh, from the actual barrel itself, as well as the kind of uh, the grip section. Mm-hmm. Um, so for, for quite a lot of people, they probably look at that and think, wow, that's, that's really attractive. If you want a more minimal pen, there are already tons out there. Yeah. Um, but it's, it does bring something new. It does bring something new. Um, now from, I, I'll let you kind of talk about whether you, you were interested in getting it in a, in a second, but, um, so I saw this first on Instagram. I think Brad first started tweet, uh, um, teasing them with kind of black and white images. I knew that they were going to be coming in color. And, um, I think I, if I were to get one, I think I would go for the orange and I'd probably get an orange, um, refill to go in it because, you know, you gotta, you gotta go for the orange. Mm. But at this stage, I am not going to back it, um, purely because I, I'm quite happy with the pens I've got right now. It's, yeah. it's not, there's nothing wrong with the pen. I think it's a really nice pen and, uh, it's a good team of people to back. Um, but purely from the point of view that, um, I, I don't, I don't really, I, uh, looking for new pens is not exactly something that I'm doing right now. Looking for a new pencil, perhaps, um, you know, I'm always on the hunt for a new Kuratoga if they do a new design for that. But as a general, generally, yeah, you know, with the, um, the rotating single delivery jet stream that I got recently, mm-hmm. that's pretty much the only pen that I'm using at the moment. What, what are your thoughts on this? I really love the look of the purple. The purple is a very, um, it's, it's like, uh, it's like a slightly dark purple, but it's, it's obviously quite, um, shiny. And I, I really yeah. like the color of that and how it reflects in the light and changes. Um, the red is also very nice. The orange is also very nice. I think I also like the blue and the black as well, but the purple is the one that I, um, have the most interest in. Out of all the colors, the only one that I'm not so particularly keen on is like the, the kind of greeny color yeah i mean i can imagine some people being really into that it's just mm-hmm. it's a it looks like a very strange color to me yeah and i think that i i love this this idea that it's so it's as we as uh jewel said machine pens are typically very plain and this is it has these kind of grills around it that has these kind of cutouts that are really really nice and uh i was listening to the penedict and it's actually got a sleeve inside of those those holes but it's, it's like inside of that cap so you know if you wanted to and there was some talk of it in the future i have some other color in there or have some maybe a see-through sleeve or something so you could see your ink i don't know um that is possible which is pretty cool um and then the i actually i really like the black uh the black grip it's it's really it's kind of different i haven't seen a pen like this in a long time if ever yeah. it's a very different look and it's, it's a very distinctive look isn't it yeah uh, and it's also worth mentioning that it's got um, it's got a nice cap with a clip, and uh, it's I magnetic. Also, yeah, and I really amazing. like the um, I really like the the look of the 
the top of the cap as well. It's got mm. its own little logo and everything. Um, I think it's a really gorgeous looking pen. Yeah, it is. I, um, I, you know how it is, Jules, with the the same with my Karas Customs Ink. You you like good strong clip, right? Yes. And I've seen some tests uh, or something about how this is a really really strong clip uh, that doesn't seem to bend out of shape and retains its kind of original form, which is pretty cool. So you'd like that. But in terms of backing this, I I was all in for backing this about a week ago. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to back this. I'm just waiting a little bit, see how it goes. Um, they definitely don't need uh, our help in terms of the Kickstarter. They have, you know, 900 backers right now, and they have a four times goal, um, which is pretty impressive, which is pretty insane, um, and, and it deserves it. Um, but I'm not going to back this purely because I already have enough pens um, I actually have two more coming, which um we'll talk about at some point. And I, I think what I said to you in the office with Dajels is that I'm really enjoying the fountain, the fountain pen life. And yeah, when I'm using the only time I'm using my Jetstream now is in field notes, and I've yeah. got the pen for that. I've got my field, I've got my Jetstream Prime or my, you know, my um my Sharp OX. ST three, and I and I'm fine with those. Like I I don't I don't necessarily compared to the fountain pens. I don't necessarily enjoy using rollerballs much anymore. And that kind of yeah yeah. Well, you kind you know. of you you kind of um, stabilized on the on the Jetstream anyway, didn't you? You never yeah. really no. massively experimented in in that side of things. Obviously, you you know you. Um, at the time when you were just using the the Jetstream, you would mix up the paper a lot more often than you would mix up the pen. Yes, and yeah, I know. I know with the uh, with the fountain pens now, you're trying out new fountain pens, and you're um, and you're using you're kind of rotating between them mm-hmm. um, a lot more regularly than you were before. Hundred um, percent. But um, yeah, this is this is like actually this isn't even. Because this is this isn't even a different uh, barrel for a jet stream. This is this would be a mm-hmm. different type of ink for you. It would. It would. Um, so it's it's understandable. It is it's understandable that that um, that you you know it's not necessarily something that you're looking for right now. Exactly. Same same as me. I I think for for kind of different reasons. Like you you are still looking at other pens, but you're looking at the fountain pen world. Mm-hmm. I'm just ha- really, really happy with the pen that I have right now. And while I'm always looking at the others, it doesn't necessarily mean that I I need to like own it, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I yeah, w- I won't be backing this, but I think um, I have nothing against buying one of these in the future at all. Like I will totally, even though it may be cheaper to buy now, I don't mind that. If I really want one in the future, I'm going to buy one at whatever price it is. Um, and the same goes with the the. Um, the Mark One by Studio Ne as well. I was really interested in buying one of those because I've been following uh, the build of those on on Thoroughly Considered, their podcast with Mike Hurley on Relay, um, and really enjoying the talk about that. And, it, and like they're they're putting a lot of effort into the quality and build of that pen, and I've heard very good things. So I want to experience one, you know, that one day. But right now, I'm just not in in the market for a rollerball or a you know non fountain pen. 
pen, really. Um, and that's why I'm going to um, not back this right now. Totally up for, you know, experimenting more in the future with that. Not going to restrict myself because I've just said it here. Um, but right now I'm not in the market for this. We have another Kickstarter to talk about, actually. And it's uh, also by Brad Dowdy and uh, Mike Hurley. Um, because the Pen Addict podcast is going to the Atlanta Pen Show and the San Francisco Pen Show. And the reason I wanted to talk about this one um, was, one, because they do an amazing show if you're into stationery and you should, you know, keep up with, with that podcast. It's, 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 it's a really great show. But also because they have something as a um, an extended, not goal, but the uh, pledge that you can do um, called the the Burton, which is a black wax canvas kind of exterior. Um, it's not it's not a case. It's like a a wrap, a sleeve. I don't know what the best word to use for this is because when I think of case, I think of like the knock um, seed, which is a zip covered um, case. But this is a A5 size kind of um, sleeve, which has a few slots and areas inside of it for three pens, a pocket size notebook, and an A5 sleeve. And I've backed this, so I'll spoil that. Um, I backed this because I've been carrying around, and we actually spoke about how uh, I've been basically carrying around a, a plastic container with my rodeo pad in and a bunch of papers. Um, because we spoke about how the rodeo pad's great, but it's not the kind of notebook you can keep the papers attached to. You're supposed to take them out, and otherwise it gets too annoying like flipping them around all the time. But I still need to carry those papers around right now with a, with a project that I'm doing. Um, and also enjoy just having the rodeo pad in, in there with those papers to, you know, pick up where potentially I've left off from on a, on a piece or something like that. So I've been carrying around a plastic container to do that. And this seems like it could be interesting for me because I really do enjoy using my rodeo pad every day uh, to write things onto longer form things that I don't really want to put in the field notes and I want to use a fountain pen maybe. Also, fountain pens are amazing on the rodeo pads. Um, so... I've backed this because one, I want to support their their, their show and, and get the videos out of the, the recordings I'll be doing at these shows. But also because uh I really wanted this this um this Burton case. Uh they also said that it's gonna be way, way cheaper than it will be um when it's, you know, uh for sale on knock, uh when it's not part of the Kickstarter. So uh because it's it's quite an expensive case to make. So uh yeah, um I backed this. And uh, I wondered if you had any thoughts on this, Jules. Yeah, I I kind of hoped you would. Um, I really like the look of the the the. Well, that's the thing. What are we calling it? Are we calling it a case? Are we calling it a pouch? What is it? I th- I've forgotten what they said on the pen addict. Um, but a sleeve seems kind of strange because it's got internal sleeves. Yeah, yeah. And a sleeve doesn't seem like a case. The right it's not and really a case. No, I don't really want to use the word flap either. <laughs> Yeah, it's um so they so this is similar to the one that they had with their briefcase design, isn't it? So it's the it's like a it's like a pouch that is designed to go inside mm. another container. So for you this will go this will slip inside your backpack, right? Yes, exactly, yeah. So you so you can have it out on your desk or you can just you know put it into the does it wait, does it have a zip? It doesn't have a zip. It doesn't have a zip. So you kind of fold it up and you put it into the mm-hmm. into the backpack. So right now you're carrying what is literally a little plastic 
box. Is that yeah? It's, that the it's best literally way to a plastic. It, it like, is. It's like a little A5 box. Yeah. So if you can imagine, if you've ever seen like a plastic um, card holder, like business card holder, it's yeah. kind of like that, but an A5 size, and it's about half the like you know height. It's quite a, yeah. It's, it's not particularly thick. It's quite slim. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So it, I mean, it's definitely going to be an, a nicer experience. I mean, that's not a bad. Uh, what you did was was a, a clever thing to do, like a good mm. choice, better than carrying around loose pieces of paper. Yeah, but this will this will probably give you a nicer experience than that. Um, and then the interesting thing about it is that it's also got a little pocket for um, like a field notes or or whatever, and mm-hmm. some some pens and bits and pieces too. So it'd be interesting to see how you how you do that. Maybe you'll, maybe you'll get your a ruler and a eraser or something in there and. So that you can, so that you can just pull this thing out and get mm, and do those kind of things. I like that idea. Yeah, I like that idea. That's I haven't thought about that. Hmm. So I, so we we spoke about the um, the brass town that I have a while yes. ago, and I've got everything in that right now. I've I've got. Yeah, um, you do. Yeah. So you're using it as like a pencil case and the roll up. Yeah, exactly. It's got all my fountain pens in it, plus um, pencils, a ruler, some rubbers and stuff. So maybe I can't. I couldn't put the rubber and ruler in uh, the rubber and the pencil sharpener I've got from in this, but I could uh, could easily put in, you know, ruler, my um, uh, uni field lead holder. You know, I could put those in there, um, and maybe a pen or something. Maybe my sharpo could go in there. You know, it's. Uh, it's nice to have the options, I guess. Um, yeah. I'm mainly looking forward to it for the the A5 sleeve part of it, and I'm just thinking now that I have a bunch of um, Hobonichi style uh, Tomoe River paper kind of small notebooks, and because I, I carry around typically, I carry on one field notes um, in I carry on one in the the seed case with my Hobonichi. I'm thinking that maybe I'll just carry that around in there. I don't know yet. I'm kind of not sure we'll see but that'd be nice because i do i use i use the tomoe river paper notebooks for testing fountain pens a lot oh yeah yeah good idea so that you know what it's going to be like before you use it in your actual hobonichi correct yeah exactly yeah, i don't want to i don't want to spoil the entire year um so yeah yeah I, uh, I do a lot of testing in those and kind of even you know it's kind of where i uh when i ink up a new pen or switch inks and stuff i typically like to write down Oh, this ink with this pen, so that if I go oh in the future, what was this ink like with this pen? I can go oh I've already done that one, so I can see what it was like. Maybe it, uh, in this pen, this ink was too too dry, or maybe it feathered uh, feathered. So you know, there's um different things that you can kind of test for, um, and that's why I use those. But going back to this uh, this Kickstarter, um, Jules, we spoke about this briefly, um, and you don't really have a a place for this right now. There's nothing. Like I have the the rodeo pads that I'm carrying around a lot, and yeah, you use a rodeo pad, but you're you have one at your desk and it stays there, I think. Yeah, I have one in my office, um, and I have one in my drawers um, at work. Mm-hmm. But um, no, I don't tend to carry. I don't carry them. So basically, if, with my bag, it's it's literally just the stuff that I carry from from home into work and then back again. Um, and seeing as I have uh, the actual rodeo pads in both places that's not something that i tend to carry around um so it's not something that i'm currently looking for but um i i do really like the uh the design of it especially the fact did we mention it's lime green it's lime green it is and i think that's 
I think that's pretty cool. I like I like to have a nice distinct uh, uh, color like that. Um, the um, the Notco uh, case uh, I've got has got the um, the cyan, the nice bright cyan inside it, and mm-hmm. it's black on the outside. And I think it's a similar kind of thing with this, where uh, it's got the nice green on the inside and the, and the black on the outside. It's a good choice. I am looking forward to kind of um, seeing how that turns out. Obviously, he hasn't got the um, they haven't got the full size prototypes yet. They're still sketching. I'm sorry, they're not still sketching, but they they're waiting on those to be made. So it's not it's not a case of um, this thing hasn't been prototyped before. It's just they're, they're waiting on it. So uh, I'm happy to see how this turns out, and I'm sure it'll be great because Knock do a really really great job of making their cases. Uh, speaking of colors, I'm actually um, really interested in seeing how. So th- they do a bunch of cases that are purple and black, and I really like those colors together. I really like the purple and black cases they do. The, the shades of the purple, like the shade of the purple, is really nice. So I'm interested to see if they'll do versions of the cases that I like in those colors, and maybe in the future. I will have the option to upgrade to those or change to those. I can't really justify getting them right now, but uh, I'd really like to see that. I will update you guys when I have this when I have this case, and I'm sure you you uh, you Jules and Jordan will see this when I have it. Seeing as we're talking about cases at the moment, and I can kind of link on from that, um, I actually got a new wallet um, for the first time in years. Um. Yeah, quite quite pleased with it. Mm-hmm. It looks quite nice. I have a, I mean, when I first met you, Jules, something that I noticed about you was that you were particular about your wallet. And not in a negative way, I don't mean that in a negative way, but you liked your wallet being small yes. and very, very thin. Yes, yes. And obviously this new one is, well, do you want to tell us? Well, it's a, it's a little bit thicker than the previous one. It's actually made by the same people. So um, I've use the same wallets for uh quite a few years now and the name of the company has changed over the years uh I, so the it used to be called all dash et like ett and yeah. now they now they just refer to themselves as one word so like all et so i don't really know oh. i don't really know what the company's name is now but originally i got the uh when i first started using their wallets i got a canvas like all canvas wallet from theirs and they kind of build it as the, the the thinnest wallet you can get um and i used to keep about four cards in it and it was incredibly incredibly thin really really thin but um obviously a canvas a canvas wallet isn't like the smartest looking in the world mm. so um after having one of those for a few years i then um kind of upgraded to the leather variant so it's the it was it was the old version of the leather sport wallet that I had. Um, absolutely loved it. Um, still, still do. But uh, due to the nature of how it works, with it being a very thin wallet and me keeping it in my back pocket, um, all of my cards become bent and kind of broken looking after a while uh, because it's you're sliding the cards against the cards and. It's got a piece of like rubber down the middle, which kind of separates the cards mm-hmm. from each other. But what happens is after you kind of sit on them for a while, they kind of bend around the rubber 
So I actually got new bank cards recently and I got one new one. And then I was just like, well, actually, I'm just going to get them all redone because they, they, they all look a bit knackered. So I, I re-got, I, I got new, new, uh, issues of all my cards. And uh, I also happened to get a new driver's license at the same time. Very I thought nice. now's, now's the time to actually get a new wallet. So I decided to go for this, uh, it's the same size um layout the same layout and everything it's just it's it is actually quite a bit thicker this time because it's all leather instead of just being let one layer of leather on the outside and the canvas on the inside this time it's all leather so there's no chance of the cards mm. kind of being bent around they, they yeah. feel a lot safer in there but it is about twice as thick as the as the previous one so we'll see how i feel about that after a while um it's also got um uh, protection from uh, RFID and stuff like that. So, oh, really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, so the, the, no radio waves will go through it. Like you can't just hold the wallet up to something. Mm-hmm. You have to kind of take the card out. Um, which you know, in the in the past, I have actually used when I didn't have that many um, contactless cards. It was useful to have the uh, uh, the RFID going through the wallet <laughs> because if you were in London, for example, you could just yeah. hold your your card up when getting onto the tube and you could go straight in. But no, I, I'm, I'm really happy with it. It's a, it's a change for me because like I say, it is quite a bit thicker. Sorry if I'm, I'm kind of looking at it now, which is why I'm. That's fine. Um, yeah, it's quite a bit thicker than it was, but, uh, yeah, I like it. Uh, that wallet is actually as thick as my wallet is right now. And I went down to that wallet and that was very thin for me. Yes. So you can imagine, and I think your your old wallet was about half a size. Yeah. So my old my old wallet was incredibly thin. It was really really thin because it like it had very thin leather on the outside, then the cards, and I would only carry about four cards, and then canvas on the inside, which which so total thickness was incredibly uh, incredibly low. Yeah, and uh, I already think of my wallet quite thin, and I carry I think I carry like almost double the amount of cards as you do, but I. I don't know. I'm happy with my my wallet. I don't really, I don't really need see the need to go any thinner. And now you've gone, you know, a bit thicker. Um, and I think, well, I, I'm wondering if that'll bug you having having had such a thin wallet before. It might do. It might do. But um, this was. I did really think about this, and the the main reason for this is to actually take better care of the cards, um, because. You know, getting mm. getting the my old you saw my old debit card and mm-hmm. you saw how bad that was <laughs> and yeah, I don't really want to have to use a card that looks so bad. Uh, you know, I've had issues before when I've tried to use a magnetic strip and it hasn't worked. Uh, the right. the signature on the back had kind of scraped off. The numbers mm-hmm. on the front had scraped off. Obviously, you can still see what the numbers are, but the paint had come off the yeah. Uh, and parts of the kind of edges were were kind of peeling, uh, and you know I just don't want to be carrying around something so crummy looking. Um, mm-hmm. So that was the main the main reason. Now this particular wallet covers the card up way more, so there's only a, a small amount of the card kind of poking out, and it and there's no chance of it kind of folding over. Sorry, bending over. But yeah, it is it is quite a bit thicker. I definitely have noticed. I can feel it in my in my jeans, like that. There's right. like, there's a thicker, thicker yeah. wallet there. Um, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. So this is the, it is the all at, uh, 
Lux Sports Wallet, I think. I'll, I'll make sure that we've got a link for the show notes. Jordan, you, uh, you are quite... I think you're quite, are you quite particular about your wallets too? You had something, uh, I think when we were starting the show uh, a long time ago where you downsized your wallet, I think, and you were really... I actually upsized it. I actually upsized it, but not by much. I don't carry coins. Um, So I had a wallet that just took three cards and my driving license, and it was tiny. Mm. Uh, Kind of as small as Jules's first wallet was, the one he was talking about. Um... It was very thin, but it it kind of got worn. It was it actually came with my curve card. I have a curve card. Ah, uh, yes, uh, yeah. And so it was a Tumi wallet, I believe. Um, and it had one of those like RFID protectors in it. The you know I had that for quite a while, uh, a couple of years, and um, in the end I got I think it's a Ganzi wallet, which is basically um slightly bigger, but has this really cool action where you can just put cash in it and just like do a little action and it just it just like Like folds it over doesn't it it's really good yeah yeah receipts as well it doesn't have to be cash yeah receipts as well um so i've been using that for the last several months six months maybe are you still using that i am um i i it suffers though massively from this uh bending cards problem that that Mm. that we just kind of talking about that it basically every card i put in there is totally bent out of shape and that really frustrates me because i'm kind of obsessive compulsive about that kind of thing so i've had to fight quite a while but now i've got a brand new card from monzo because they sent me an alert to say that they'd noticed fraudulent activity on my card and just automatically sent me a new card i have been yeah that was a strange one it just came through at like 11 o'clock at night and then that was it so very cool um However, I put it in there and I'm, I'm kind of a bit disappointed that I put it in there because, and same with the new business cards we've got, because uh, mm. like, everything's expired, so we've got new cards. I'm a bit disappointed. So I may change my wallet this year um, for something that, that will not bend my cards. The problem yeah. is that it tends to be, be that the smaller wallets will bend your cards. Yeah, that's exactly and right. The bigger wallet, yeah. And the bigger wallets are padded enough uh, you know like the big yeah and they you know but then you they can't go in your pocket nice and snug do you know what i mean they use more space i mean you guys if you, do you know what my wallet looks like yeah it's fairly small um it's yes. about the same thickness as jules's wallet is jules's new wallet as as we discussed earlier i've never had a problem with that one bending cards so those ones those ones also bend cards um mm. but they they do it uh the other way around so mm. um they kind of they they will bend across the long side instead of the short side, if that makes sense. Ah, I see. Yeah, because you're you're stacking them against each other, um, and they they're kind of not evenly distributed. Like the pressure is not evenly distributed, and then the top the top edge is exposed on those ones, so it's yeah, more it is, likely yeah. to be worn. Uh, I've seen. I haven't owned one like that, so I don't know. But I've seen people say that exactly the same thing happens. Like they do bend, but they bend in a different way. And they do get damaged, but they get damaged in a different way. Uh, I've never heard you complain about it, though. So no, I, I mean, I maybe I'm less particular about wallets in general, but I am extremely happy with that wallet. I don't see a need to uh, keep changing it and get rid of it. At the end of the day, for me, a wallet serves the purpose, and uh, 
it you know i'm used to it it's, it's small i've i'm used to carrying around in, well before this i was used to carrying around bigger wallets and that was uh that was more frustrating and in fact sometimes when i travel i actually do take um a larger wallet because i like to take cash for example when i'm traveling and i like to make sure i've got everything or in fact leave things behind um that i don't need when i'm traveling so there are certain cases in which i still use the old wallet but yeah i i and again jules i don't take cash with me anywhere and you do and i could actually put cash in the center of this wallet um but i don't tend to take any cash so uh the only thing i will say actually jordan about your your, your wallet is that i remember uh we did quite a large stint of traveling at one point and uh the expense claim receipts were stacking up in that wallet and didn't it become like a you end up like having to like pull them out instead of it being able to do that fold action oh, hold on a second something's going down with something's also going down on this space station uh docking hold on stand by they're now starting the pressurization of the the vessel in between the the space capsules and the space station that's apparently going to take about an hour to pressurize jeez sorry yeah, I know. Well, you'd rather, <laughs> you'd rather than pressurize it correctly and make sure there's no leaks and then open up air, uh, yeah. an airlock effectively and go bang. Yeah, no one wants to be blown out into space. No, I mean, that would be terrible for SpaceX and the space station. Interesting enough, these astronauts are very smart looking, aren't they? They've got like a uniform on. They probably know that they're going to be on TV. That's true. Uh, Yeah, so it only gets jammy because I'm not very... I'm not very good with it. I just jam them in. Like, really, what you're meant to do is it's meant for cash, and you fold the cash, right? And then you fold the cash in yeah. half, and then you put it in between it, and then you pull it. But what I tend to do is I'm always in a rush. So, And you know how, like, pe- like a receipt could just be tiny, but some people just, they'll print you off, like, a, a receipt for, like, fuel, and it's, like, six meters long. Um, So, like, I'll just shove that in there as best I can. And so it's not that it, it's... Not really a design flaw of the wallet. It's more of a usage problem, uh, like you know, an operator problem. But it doesn't really get jammed that much. It's just that you shouldn't really have huge. Like I, I put like fifteen receipts in there, so it mm. gets really thick. And that's kind of part part of the reason why it bends is because it's quite thick in the middle, and then the sides aren't. So that's why my cards bend, and it's kind of warped the wallet out of shape. But then that's not the only reason. It's because obviously the cards are in there, and they don't. They're not like the exact same size as the wallet so there's bound to be like some like like pull so yes it does get a little bit jammed but it's nothing like massive it's not like a problem it doesn't break the wallet and it only takes like a few seconds to sort out but that's mainly because i put too much crap in it um but i do empty it out every couple of weeks now or every week rather Mm -hmm. um and then it's back to being flat again but it is it does look kind of like a bit like if i took all the cards out now it's not flat it's like it's like curved, which is a bit of a known, like, you know, the shape of it is curved in the same way the, the, the cards are bent, which I think is to do with the receipts and, and stuff, which is a shame. <sighs> I like the wallet quite a lot. Um, I just wish it was made of a material that would not bend um, as much. So maybe if they made it out of, like, steel. Steel. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or at least put some kind of like, you know, aluminium plate, very thin aluminium plate in the middle of like through the, through the, Mm. through it. And then at least it's very unlikely for it to bend or I say aluminium. Even, even aluminium would probably bend. Uh, Yeah. yeah, Aluminium would bend. 
but maybe maybe something strong with a strong tensile strength. I did look at because obviously when I was looking to see if I because I, I knew I wanted to get a, a new wallet because of the fact that my cards were going to be replaced and so on. Uh, so I did spend some time looking around at other options, and I did look at some of the ones that are more like uh, a small box. Um, but I just I just decided I, that wasn't really you know what I was after. At the end of the day, this is something that you end up having in your pocket like all the time. And having like a small metal box just didn't seem like, um, didn't seem like a very good option. I think this is why like leather wallets are an, like feel like a good option because they warm next to, next to you. Like if you've got it in your pocket in the same way that your phone does actually. They kind of warm up to your body temperature and when you take them out, they like they don't feel weird. They feel soft and warm. And if it's something that you're carrying on you all the time, I think that's that's a good choice. I, I don't know if that makes sense. Um but uh, you know, as a material, leather is is quite useful for that for that kind of thing. It's more about the the, the carrying it around with you. On the on the thing about the receipts, so uh, because my wallet is the size of American bills rather than uh, UK bills, the I, what I tend to do is I fold my notes in half and put them on one side uh, of the of the wallet, and then I tend to put my receipts on the other side of the wallet. I don't know if you've ever mm. seen me do that. Um, I don't. I mean, I empty the receipts, but if I do carry receipts, I put them on one side, yeah. and then I put the um, I put the notes folded on the on the other side. Um, so. While it's not a fancy flap like Jordan's, uh, it is. I do I do put uh, receipts as well as notes, and obviously the cards that I have in there uh, all the time anyway. Uh, but I don't I don't put coins in it. Well, uh, you'll have to tell us how it goes anyway, and, and hopefully hopefully your cards will stay unbent and crisp. Yes, that's the that's the dream. That's the dream. How's the space station, Jordan? Um, really good. I mean, I'm, this is just... Coming live from the station, space station, Jordan is there. Yeah, no, I I mean, I wish I was, but I'd probably throw up because I've never been in zero G before. I, I mean, it really gets me in the gut when you see this kind of stuff go on. You know, like, it's just a feat of ridiculously amazing engineering, you know, like... We have, we have people up there all the time. It's crazy. It is crazy. And and that space station has been around uh, since the nineties. Yeah, I, I was I was trying to think nineteen ninety nine. I was trying to think of the exact date. Yeah, it, it is nineteen ninety nine. The 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 nineties, and of course, um, you know the the space shuttle was instrumental in building it in the first place. But the space shuttle has, has been and gone, and yet we're still we're still taking like it has outlived the. The, the methods for getting people up there, which is incredible. And, you know, now we're looking at these, these new uh, drag. I mean, they look like they're way more futuristic looking than something like the Soyuz spacecraft. Um, yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to think that, that, that it has just been up there and expanded on for all that time. It's incredible. I stand corrected. It was actually... 1998 back end of 1998 the first module went up yeah i feel feel awful for being wrong it's okay it's all right 
I was out by three months. We were all wrong sometimes. And um, they were, how long were they planning on originally keeping it for? I, I think they were, they weren't planning on keeping it around forever. Um, I know they've extended I, it now. They basically say that they're going to keep it for, I don't know, um, it's probably at least another decade or more. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that they were planning on, on like, n- not maintaining the space station this long. I'm not 100% sure, um, if I'm being honest. I mean, because they keep adding to it and they add more modules to it. And I know, obviously, the space shuttle, when the space shuttle... Um, you know, they, they discombobulated the space shuttle. Uh, I think it last flew in 2011. That's right, yeah. was the last flight. I think there was some... There was there was a, a whole, well, what about the ISS? And what about... And obviously, the dependency on ULA and and then obviously the Russian government <laughs> launching rockets into space to re, re uh, refuel it or restock it, resupply it. Um, but but yeah, I mean it's amazing that that people are in space above our heads consistently, and it has it's been occupied for eighteen years continuously. Mm-hmm. I just I just think that obviously all the technology that we've been use, using for the last two decades is is from the seventies, you know, Soyuz technology. Even the space shuttle was was not that advanced compared to what we what we've got now. I mean, it was very advanced for the time, but if you think about yeah. if you think about what SpaceX have done, they have made a point of bringing down the cost by using off-the-shelf components. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing. Like, it's it's a much quicker turnaround than it was for the for the um, space shuttles. I mean, it, yes, the space shuttles are of course reusable, but um, you know, when when the vehicle came back down, it would have to go through a whole process, a very long process of getting it back and to being um, ready for space again. Very costly for a very costly process, process well. yes. And of course, over time, uh, they be- it became obviously more attention was paid to certain parts of it, with the, in particular the the heat shielding and things like that, which was known to cause uh, 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 you know problems. Let's put it that way. Um, so yeah, I mean, the, the, they've learned a lot from that. Um, but I think one of the things that was always the, (laughs) that I will always love about the space shuttle, um, you know, I've seen full size, uh, uh, replicas, but I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen a real one. Have you not been, you've been to the, have you not been to the Houston space center? Yes, but that's, that wasn't, um, that was a test one. That was a test one. So, Mm. but the, um, one of the things that that I will always kind of find uh, attractive about them is the fact that when you see like high resolution photographs, I mean, they look real. They look so real. Like they 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 look like they are they've been used and they look worn, um, which of course they have been. But they there's something you know when when I was young and I first saw the space shuttle, it always seemed like like unnatural like it was just something really really special um, and it still is but but when i see the pictures i just think that you know this they they're literally just flying this thing up into space and back down again it's crazy it's absolutely crazy whereas something like the dragon looks a lot more futuristic um it looks like something out of star trek which is amazing yeah yeah it does yeah but yeah i mean i keep banging on about it but the, the... All this technology they're using is pretty much brand new. What do you think this means for SpaceX now? They're working so closely with NASA and 
Like, how do you think that relationship could change over time? Well, it's, I don't think it's... The, so the, this is the thing. This is the privatization of the space launch industry, like, or launching of, of low Earth or, or LEO, low Earth orbit, or the commercialization of it. So actually, NASA built the space shuttle, right? Like, it was NASA's space shuttle. I say they built it. It was theirs. It was a government thing, right? Um, and now... SpaceX are effectively a private company who offer resupply missions for NASA. So NASA are one of many customers for SpaceX. Um, and that's that's basically it. So they work very, very closely with NASA on all, because obviously NASA have all the standards that you need to uh, adhere to, um, to to get into uh, flying to the space station, right? But And that's why, like, for instance, it might cost £16 million to launch a satellite into space, for, for argument's sake, or I think it might be like $16 million. Um, but for a resupply mission to the ISS, it costs $20 million because there's a load of NASA regulations and stuff that they have to do. But NASA have, have, have kind of funded SpaceX with the contracts, right? Like without NASA believing in SpaceX and saying, yep, we're going to give you this $400 million pounds or, uh, you know, I think it was one point, might be $1.9 billion or something to basically do a certain number of missions to resupply the space station. Um, SpaceX wouldn't be here today um, in this capacity, at the very least. So, you know, it's, I mean, I say $1.9 billion. It's, low, it's much more than that, presumably, but it depends on which, which area. But, you know, what I'm trying to make is that the, their relationship is uh, customer and supplier. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Um, and that's going to be the same for um, other agencies, like presumably the ESA eventually. Mm-hmm. Uh, although we have the Ariane, um, so we have our own capability. I say we in your Euro- European Space Agency. I mean Brexit, though. But it's it's going to be interesting because you know NASA also gave Boeing like four point nine billion dollars to try and do the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean they because they they knew that the the space shuttle was going to be uh, discontinued. Uh, they didn't really have a replacement for it for this kind of low earth orbit um they they kind of wanted to set their sights a little bit further you know to return to the moon and and onwards to mars um so they kind of needed to fill that gap especially if they were going to continue to have uh you know work with uh, other agencies on the on the on the space station um so yeah i mean they they opened it up um i can't remember what they originally called I can't remember what they called it. But they originally they they opened like a, uh, a, a like a prize, like an award scheme for various um, private companies before the space shuttle ended, um, deliberately to kind of uh, get that going to start that that process off, so that they could focus on other things. Um, and of course, NASA does a lot of other stuff as well. Um, you know, it's not just about getting people up in space; it's also about getting equipment to you know, the outer solar system and other parts, uh, and other, um, you know, science, um, objectives. So I think they did a lot of the hard work. They learned a lot, uh, and they're kind of now passing that on to, uh, other, other businesses to, cause there's a lot of money in, in privatizing some of this stuff and, you know, having, you know, SpaceX and others getting up there to, to, 
know, have some competition, yeah. multiple it, multiple it, approaches. It brings the cost down. It brings that's the yeah. main thing. Is is that like ULA is is Lockheed and Boeing basically join forces to to basically launch things into space, and uh, that went from having a duopoly to a monopoly, which meant they were charging like three hundred million dollars to launch things into space. And no one was there to challenge them and no one was there to bring the cost down and without competition basically it's a waste of money uh, you know if you for the same amount of you could do 10 launches with spacex for the price of that one you know 300 million dollar launch for instance yeah. that means you can do 10 more experiments or do 10 more missions or do do you know what i mean so it's gonna it's gonna accelerate the the, the scientific innovation yeah. rate i would say or the velocity of it yeah um, and it has done it has done look at look at the last few years with spacex um i you know they've been going 17 years but it's only in the last few years now i you know i feel like when we when we set apart we were watching spacex missions and they were launching things and they were landing things and i feel like the pace of innovation has definitely started to pick up i do think that spacex uh, being like the they are the People when th- people think of like innovative space companies, they think of SpaceX. But then you've got the likes of Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos's company that are trying to do similar mm-hmm. things. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that works because I'm not, you know, you don't really hear about them doing any NASA m- missions. You know, to I, I don't think they've got any capability. Um, I don't think they're as as far ahead or as far. Um, into their development as, as someone at SpaceX to actually fly missions. But I don't know. I don't really follow that um, as much as I probably I should. think uh, SpaceX has always been one where um, they've been very, very good at being uh, approachable. Like they, they do a lot of streams. They do a lot of conversations. Oh, yeah. And I think SpaceX gets more mind share than the others because of that. Um, and I don't, I don't think that's a, that's a bad thing. I mean, think of like everyone was talking about them when they put that, that tesla up in space because uh it's it was you know such a publicity thing isn't it right it gets it gets people talking about it and i think i think that's a big chunk of why uh they certainly have more of my attention than uh some of the other uh companies that are doing similar things i do think um the the idea of going to mars is like the point of what SpaceX are trying to do is like, you know, to colonize Mars, etc. And and you, you get the likes of Blue Origin kind of trying to say the same things. I feel as though, going back to the whole marketing and web streams and, and stuff, that they're just very good at being in the public eye. Elon Musk is a very good marketeer. He's very good at not just building, you know, his company's not just building things, but get, generating the right amount of of public interest and and virality around it on the net and on and in in person, you know, not everyone agrees with some of his methods when it comes to Tesla and tweets, etc. But at the end of the day, I think you just don't. They're like these live streams where they they have like mission control cameras in mission control, right? And uh, they have like commentators in Houston and then in SpaceX mission control, and they talk you through the whole thing, and they use all the scientific terms that they can, you know, that, and talk about all the stuff they're allowed to talk about. They've really revolutionized uh, the whole webcast presentation of, of this kind of stuff. I you do, know, like, I, I agree, but... Um, I'm not saying they didn't happen before. No, I mean, that's the thing. It did happen before, but it but it was just, it was just NASA. 
And I think yeah. that what SpaceX have done is they have built on what NASA did really, really well with the, um, with the, the broadcasting and the explaining of, of, mm-hmm. um, of how things are going. You've got to keep in mind that when the space shuttle, uh, became, <laughs> became like the, the early space shuttle f- uh, flights were all incredible and, uh, you know, people watched them, but then, over time, it became normal for a space shuttle flight. And, um, that kind of, that was kind of bad in some ways for NASA because, you know, when, when something like that becomes normal, uh, it's, um, it's no longer getting the interest that they need, which is bad for their funding. But also, as we know with this, with the space shuttle, as soon as you start to normalize those things, there's the opportunity for you to cut corners or, or make mistakes. But, but they, they kept going, you know, less so on the, on television, but more so on the internet. Um, and, you know, they, they're very, very good at broadcasting and their people explain it. And one of the things that I've noticed very much about the SpaceX ones is that they have continued that tradition extremely well. You know, you get the, a couple of people who are, as you say, you know, at SpaceX headquarters explaining every step of the way what's happening uh plus you know the the feed and they do nice graphics as well they've just taken on that tradition and they, they've gone with it and they've just kept it up and they've done a really really good job at that and you know that if you're watching a you know if, if you know if there's going to be a spacex uh, launch or a, or a flight you know that you can just go onto twitter or youtube and find a video for it really really quickly and be able to watch it and have people explain it to you exactly what's happening it's really really good and i guess it's it's a lot of it is the people as well. I'm not saying, that, I think it's just the advancement of internet webcasting technology. You know, at the right time for SpaceX. You know, it's not like, you know, back in 2000 and what what was it? 2009, 2008, 2007. Those years. The, yes, there was the ability to stream using the internet, but YouTube didn't have that live webcasting ability. YouTube wasn't as uh, prolific as yeah. it is now and as used as it is now. And it's just that whole, that whole, it's right place, right time as well. Yeah. Um, and just capitalizing on it. So, you know, I'm, I just, I'm, you know, I'm sat here, we're doing a podcast and I'm looking at this futuristic thing that looks out, looks like it's out of Star Trek connected to a 20 year old piece of metal that floats above, but it's a million pound piece of metal that orbits the earth at 17,000 miles per hour. And it's just like, how the hell, you know? Can I build a rocket? One day. Let's bring things back down to Earth. Yeah. Do you like that, tra- oh, you mean, do you like that transition? You say that? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm not even going to get a clap. Okay. Uh, thanks. <laughs> that was, that was... Anyway, uh, our last topic for us to speak about today is um, we all got panel books finally after uh, over three months of or more. Uh, I think it's way more than three months of actually talking about uh, getting and ordering one. We always said, yeah, we need to order those. And we never got around to it until I think around Christmas time. So we, we have them now. Um, I think, Jordan, have you used one yet? I have not even opened mine yet. They were, they were still on your desk last I saw. Yeah. Yeah, they still are on my desk. And Jules, uh, how, how have you used yours much at all? Yes. Um, do you want to go first or shall I? I'll just explain that I have used uh, exactly one page 
of the panel book, I have not had chance to use it that much. I've been looking for chances to, um, but at the moment, the stuff I'm currently working on does not just just, just doesn't require it. So um, it, it will start to, but at the moment, it hasn't been really evolved, you know, revolving around UI sketching, etc. I have, however. I uh, used one page of it, and that was the page I Instagrammed where I tried to test the fountain pens I currently had inked up. I also tested uh, my Unifield lead holder and the Kuratoga and the Mardliners and also the Jetstream. So the idea was that I've got so much space here. Uh, just first page, let me just test everything I've got. Um, so I have done that. But I think I would like you to go first on, on your thoughts of this, Jules. Okay. Yeah, and and I do have thoughts. So, um, first of all, I I do really like it. Um, it comes. So I actually have it in front of me, so it'll help me um, discuss it. But sorry, sorry if there's noises. So, um, first of all, it comes in a sleeve. Uh, yeah. So it's it's like a card sleeve, which lets you write on the spine. You know, date started, date completed, and additional notes. I really like this idea. But the, the the problem that I have with that is the fact that um I took so I took it uh, originally I took it out of the sleeve when I when we were in the office when we first got it and then yeah. actually putting it back in the sleeve is sometimes a little bit tricky because of the, yeah just because of the nature of it it's like putting a USB stick in you have to do it three times yeah you have to kind of like give it a, give it a squish and kind of you know um, hold the ends kind of, and yeah which. It's fair enough. I mean, that's not too bad. But also, the, the kind of problem that I had is that um, I took it out of the sleeve, and then I was like, "Well, where am I going to put this sleeve?" So I just kind of put it on my shelf. But you can't put it because the sleeve is so thin. You cannot put it where it's eventually going to go. You know, because the mm-hmm. idea is that you you should be able to put it on a shelf um, and kind of keep it there. But the problem the problem with that is. If you were to put it on the on a shelf like as if it's a book with just a sleeve, the sleeve will get squashed. And obviously, I don't know if you can get replacement sleeves, but like I don't particularly want to squash this sleeve because it's it's the only sleeve I've got for the only book I've got. Yeah. So obviously that aside, let me just take it out. So the uh the actual cover itself feels really nice. It's got this it really, really does. Yeah, it's got this absolutely gorgeous kind of soft um soft feel to it really kind of nice uh, a really kind of nice feel but i would say the whole thing feels uh loose do, do you know what i mean like it's uh if you if you kind of hold it like it's easy for the for the front part of the case of the of the of the book to become misaligned to the bottom part of it yeah like the the holes where the spine goes are like i don't know they're like slightly too large or something I think basically all of all of my kind of issues with it actually resolve revolve around the actual spine itself because it's kind of like ring bound, um, which means that it kind of flops around. Now mm. I I love the size, so um, I've only used it horizontally. I've used multiple pages, by the way. Oh, nice! Um, but I've only I've only used actually I did use some pencil as well, but it's I mean it's. It's pretty much only the um, the Jetstream streamer ink that I've used it with, and I really love the size. And I lo- the paper seems absolutely fine by me. Like I say, I haven't used any kind of um, I didn't use any mild liners, and I didn't use any um, liquid inks like fountain pen inks. 
So, yeah. I, so I've only used the Jetstream ink, but it's really nice paper for me. So it's exactly kind of what I would want in terms of, uh, in terms of the paper. But I find that it, it, it moves, the paper moves too easily. Like it slips too easily. So if, say for example, you've got it flat and you put your finger on top of, rest your finger on top of it and then move your finger, the whole, like the, the top few sheets will just kind of jiggle around. And again, it all kind of comes down to the fact that it's that spiral binding. Mm. The, if you do the same thing with like a rhodia pad, which of course has a completely different type of binding, it yeah. doesn't happen. The, the rhodia pad page stays where it is because the whole top of it is like connected yeah. to like the, the top area of the, of the book, which means that it doesn't mm-hmm. kind of slip around or move. But then of course you can't fold it over. So there's like pros and cons, pros and cons. Yeah, exactly. And I think even though I, and I'm pretty sure I'm going to use, I'm going to, I mean, I am going to continue to use it. It, it hasn't been, it is a nice notebook that I will enjoy using, but it hasn't been the kind of dream notebook that I thought it might be for those right. reasons, but it, but I do still like it and I am going to continue to use it, especially because of the size and the way that the, the kind of the ratio of it, like it's absolutely perfect to have in front of your keyboard or like yeah. on a desk. Um, and for me in particular diagrams, I haven't used it for like any kind of UI designs or anything, but for, for, for doing diagrams and stuff like that, for having as a large piece of paper available, like on my desk, it is, it is really, really good. Um, and of course you can just keep them. So you just fold the page over and it just stays unlike with the Rhodia pad where really you've got to remove the page. Like you were saying earlier, you've got to remove the page once you're done with it. You can't really fold them over. Mm-hmm. I mean, you could like, a couple of times, but you can't do that for the whole notebook because otherwise the whole thing will just be flopped yeah. over. It just doesn't, it just doesn't work. You have to remove those pages. So this, this can be a notebook that can just sit here and I will just, I will use the pages and then, um, you know, when I'm, when I'm done, I, I can just keep the whole book, but the transitions of like getting it out and putting it back in its sleeve and just getting set up with it are not as smooth as I would like because of the fact that it does feel wobbly for for want of a better mm. word. Like it, it's not as stable as I would like. Um, and I think that's all down to that kind of ring binding. I have no idea if there's another way to get the same, because the, the paper, the way that the paper comes like folds around and the, and the, the way that it works is all good. It's it's purely about that ring binding. And I don't know if there is an alternative that they could have used to get the same results. I'm guessing no. Because it's it's well designed in every respect, apart from that like ring binding. And I think that's I think what it comes down to is that perhaps I'm just not particularly keen on those the on the ring binding. I don't know. I don't know, but I can't really think of any mm. other way that they would be able to do that where it goes all the way around without a ring. Yeah. Like, I don't know of any you know, high technology, maybe SpaceX can come up with something, but um, I don't know of any other way that they could have done it. So it's not, um, in no way am I saying that it's been badly designed because that is fundamental to the way that it works in all the other ways. 
It's just that because of that, it ends up feeling loose, and that's not my that's not my favorite thing. Interesting. I I noticed the movement, like you said, when you've got when you've got it closed and you've got the two ends, um, and you know you kind of if you move your hands around, yeah, the the, the end and the start, the, you know, they kind of they can end up in completely different positions to each other. Yeah. Yeah. They like separate from each other. Yeah. And I noticed that and I was like, oh, yeah, that's because of, because of the ring bounding and that's fine. Um, I will say I haven't personally noticed much of that problem when actually using it, using a piece. Like if I put my finger on it now, like it's staying in position, even if I apply pressure or don't. I find, I find the first page, like the, the page that I'm touching just kind of slips I, I'm doing it in, like you like you can see it like <laughs> I know you can't yeah. but um I mean I'm doing it too don't worry <laughs> but I, that's the thing I can't really replicate it but I can see how like if you know if you really go for it you can do I didn't notice that when writing though with it too much I was like that's just fine I think also I tend to even when using a rodeo pad I always have a hand on the actual notebook so I'm writing with one and holding it with the other and I do that with the Hobonichi. I do that with field notes in general. I always have a hand on them, so maybe that's why I kind of stabilize everything. Yeah, and I I do too. I I tend to as well. Um, it's just that in this situation, the, because of the way that I was holding it, because of the way, the way that I um, so I had it where the spine was on the left hand side, and I'm right handed. Mm. So the place that I'm holding it is is around where the spine is anyway. And it's like, that's not my, that's not the best place yeah. for me to be holding it. Cause it doesn't, it's not particularly nice feeling. Mm-hmm. The, the cover though, the cover is a really nice, really, really nice feeling. In fact, that was a surprise for me. I didn't have, for some reason I didn't have that information in my head about this, that they had this really smooth cover on it. And I was like, oh, that's really, really nice. And I know it's obviously not the most important part of it, but it definitely adds to the product as a whole. And it's, it's a, it's a nice thickness as well. It is. It's not. Um, I mean, it has a bit of give. It has a bit of bend, but it's it's nice and thick. So I think it is a it is a very nice. Like all the materials are really good. The paper's really good. It's just it feels too loose. That's the only thing. But everything about it seems really nice to me. Yeah. So if I talk about some of my pens on it, um, I found that coming from Tomoe River paper and. The uh, the rhodia paper, this it's a very um, it really soaks up the ink. This does this does this um, this this paper, and that meant that my my extra fine nibs on my fountain pens don't look extra fine. They look like a fine or a you know like a medium because of feathering. Yeah, which is why I'll I'll put the link in the show notes to the Instagram photo that I did. My this does not look like how I write in the Rodia, for example, because in the Rodia, it's a very such such good paper for fountain pens because everything's really kept in tightly. Uh, You can do really fine lines. You don't get this kind of problem. And I like that way. I really do like that way. Uh, So I don't know if um, this is something that I see myself using fountain pens in all the time. I found it helpful for doing accenting, so I actually did a like a fake UI sketch of some random thing, and I used a fountain pen as a color to indicate a graph line and some kind of selectivity things, and that was kind of nice. So maybe like, I'll use my fountain pens for coloring in those bits, um, but 
I think the the um also my uh, Montverde highlighter that I have in the sharper really did not like this paper. Really? And yeah, it's really really hard to read. I still don't remember what I wrote right now. Yeah, well, uh, um, that's interesting. Is that because is it too light? Can you not? I used my highlighter on this and it was fine. No, no, it's it. It was really. It was like breaking. It was um, you know, skipping kind of thing. Like you would write, and it was like on and off all the time. Intriguing. I don't actually have one of those, so I'm not super familiar with how it feels. So I use the um. Oh, it's a Lamy one. Sorry, I've got a a, a Lamy highlighter for mm. the for that kind of refill, which feels a bit like you're using like a crayon or something. It, I don't really yeah, know how to describe yeah, it. Same. But but mine was fine on this paper. Um, Interesting. But yours is th- is thinner, I think, than mine. Like the balls, the balls thinner. Possibly. Yeah. I can't remember the exact. Um, I'm sure it's actually in one of the show notes for some episode where we went through all of our stationery quite early on. Uh, so it's still that same one and it didn't do too well on this, but I did enjoy using my pencils on this. So I think moving forward and the jet stream, um, it was fine. There was no problems with the jet stream. It, it worked perfectly. It was smooth. It it was just exactly what you'd expect from a jet stream. Exactly. Yeah. yeah it was perfect, but I don't see myself using my jet stream in this more pencils. Yeah, I think I think the reason I like this notebook is because it's to me it's for sketching and it's for UI design and um I I don't see myself doing writing in this thing. Yeah. I or you know using it as um I I could see myself actually using it for maybe if I was doing a mind map and doing some kind of bigger thinking tasks and kind of Yeah. So that's that's what I've used it for those kind of diagrams so far. That's what I've that's what I've been using it for when I've been sat down yeah like on a weekend and I'm trying to do some kind of like high level thinking and you know maybe I've got a diagram already in OneNote or somewhere else but actually it's nice to just be able to to have it physically in front of me or to work it out that way um i found it to be really useful for that kind of thing and that's how i'm going to continue to use it i'm not i i, I did think that i was going to be using it as like a like a project thing originally wireframe ideas was was my original yeah. thought but actually i think this is just going to be like oh you know i'm at my desk at home and i'm doing some of that kind of big thinking more mm-hmm. on the kind of personal end rather than professional stuff and i want to mm-hmm. do some diagrams and i want to just kind of think about these things then this is going to be the notebook that I actually use for that. And because of the fact that the pages will continue to be in here. Now, um, that doesn't necessarily mean that they need to be perfect. I don't really care if I'm going to sketch things. And if I want to tear one out, I can. But I'm not, I don't have to tear the page out like I would with the Rodia. So I think this is going to be a a permanent fixture in, in my office at home. And uh, it's going to be my go-to for large, large kind of space for this kind mm-hmm. of thing. In fact, it's probably going to replace my A4 Rodia uh, for that kind nice. of for the go-to. Yeah, but um, but yeah, it, I, 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 it hasn't ended up being quite what I imagined it to be. Mm-hmm. But I wonder if that's just because I, I bigged it up to be something else in my head. I don't know. I'm not disappointed though. That's the thing. I'm not disappointed in it. And it has a place, and I'm quite happy with it. 
it's just different to what you originally thought it would be. That's right. I kind of originally thought that I was probably going to want more because I only got one. I originally thought that this would end up being like, this is the place to go to do like wireframes and designs. Yeah. And that I would end up, you know, I could imagine myself in the future having multiple ones of these like on my bookshelf in the sleeve. Right. That was kind of how I imagined it. And I guess that was because of the the way that the Kickstarter kind of sold it. I don't know. But um, interesting. I don't know if that's actually going to be the case. I, I, because I've, I've, been, I've only got, let me see, I don't know, half a dozen pages in. So Right. Are you using both sides of the pa- no. of each paper? No. Have you not? Interesting. I'm going to use one side. Well, I, I, don't, I, I only want the spine on one. Like, I don't want to be swapping. Yeah, no, that makes sense. So literally, when I'm done with a page, I just fold it over. Um, but... Um, so I'm not going to comment as to whether I'm going to get a second one yet. But seeing as Jordan hasn't even touched his, I know that there'll be <laughs> there'll be some there'll be some around if I if I do want to get a second one in the future. We'll we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Lol. Uh, so I um yeah I think I'm going to be using mine for UI sketching and stuff. I've done some in the Rodeo pad that I might transition over to this. Or are you going to leave it at home, or are you going to take it into work? At the moment, I've been leaving it at home. I think. Thing. see that the, the project i'm thinking of at the moment a lot of it i'm doing at home because i need that kind of um quiet uh alone focused kind of zone yeah where i think that right so right now i'm doing that project in that setting i don't feel comfortable right now doing that project in the office and that's fine certain projects and certain you know different working um ways or methods have different environments and that's how people work and people are different it's all it's all cool and right now i'm at home for that yeah so so it's not something that you're going to be carrying back and and forth i could see myself though when this is becoming more public and uh, public internally to the company and you know kind of yeah when they when the when the sketches when it's moving yeah. yeah When when we when it's going from design to actual you know, being built, yeah, that is when I can see myself. I'll bring this. I'll bring this for sure. I would happily put this in my you know daily carry every day. I just don't think right now I would use it. I would tell you, it'd stay in my bag. Yeah. When you do, be careful of the because obviously the the cover the slip cover is white. It, it gets marked very easily. Mine is mine is already marked. I'm not. Yeah. I'm not fast. I don't mind because it's there to be used. But um, it, it it already has some kind of like ink marks on it. Mine has dents and like lines of like the corners. Yeah, I'm not bothered, but I don't know how I did it because I took mine in my bag when I was away last the week before last, and um, I took it in my bag and I didn't use it, but it was in my bag and I had a lot of things in the bag and I was. You know, taking that bag from a car to a hotel room to a to a house to an office to various things, and uh, it kind of, I, I guess, from being inside, it got a bit. You know, some of the corners got a bit. It's nothing too bad. It still fits in. It's all fine. But I think that's just how it is. I I really do like the idea though that if this tool works for me, uh, for these sketches, and I keep doing these kind of jobs or doing the bigger thinking projects in them, that over time. I could have a shelf with them all on and, you know, they'd be named and, uh, 
lined up. I do like that idea. I think that is a nice touch. It doesn't like like with the cover, it doesn't make the actual product you know, the it's not a massively important part of the product, and you could argue it is, but it's a nice to have, it's a nice touch on top of the It is a nice touch. You know. Yeah. And uh the the inside cover as well has this little green cover where it has some uh some you know rulers on it and tells you what you can do with it. It has some co- the corner guides as the half marks and stuff, they're really helpful because I find myself a lot in a field notes or a rhodia uh pad. I'm I'm always counting the lines across and down to find the halfway point because I'm doing things and trying to just keep it like in a grid um of like four or two and I I always have to count the lines. So it's nice to have the little indications of oh this is like a, a phone display here. This is the half line horizontally and this is the half line vertically. Um so I like those touches. Um I really do. So moving forward I think it's just a case of seeing, you know, seeing how this goes over time and seeing if I start sketching anymore because that's what I'll be using it for. 